Devora Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. So when you're receiving Tochacha, we have a few things that you can try to, you know, say. Um, so one of them is, you know, I'll think about that, you know, thank you for, for letting me know. Or we could say, you know, I'm sorry I hurt you. Now again, you may not be apologizing because you may think that you really didn't do anything wrong, but you're sorry that you hurt them, right? Um, and then another one that really stops people in their tracks is, well, what would you like me to do? And I see you're really upset. Is, is there something I can do? Um, and then you can give a sincere apology because like we said, even if the person is 99.5% wrong in your mind, right? Even if there was a little bit of something there that they picked up on, then you can say, you know what? I'm, I'm really sorry for the possibility that I was insensitive. You know, or, and there are things that people are sensitive to that they don't always tell us they're sensitive to. Those things, and I've said this in an earlier class, that we know rub us the wrong way or we're very sensitive to, there's nothing wrong with before the interaction letting your person in circle one or circle two know, you know, that's not a topic I really like to talk about. Or, you know, whenever you, 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 you mention that or you say that remark or that phrase, I don't know why, but it's just something that I, I don't know, maybe it's from my childhood, maybe it's some, you know, but I don't know why it just really rubs me the wrong way. Would you mind not saying that, right? Or let's say there's a person that, you know, every time that person brings up their name, it just brings up bad memories and it brings up that internal resentment and anger that you haven't worked out. And, and it, it's, it's an important thing that I don't know if I said in other classes, but it's something that Dina Schoonmaker says, is that when it comes to really old grudges and old resentments that are old and very deep and very strong, she says, forget about those. You know, don't start going there. What we want to do and what we're trying to do in this VAD is not to allow new ones to develop, and to learn the tool and the skill of crumbling the hakpada immediately, not allowing it to become hardened and formed and difficult to remove. Welcome, Devorah. Right? So we want to try and crumble that hakpada as much as we can and work on it. And again, sometimes it can take a week an hour, we can drop the measuring stick, we can move on, and sometimes it'll be harder, and it'll be more difficult, and it's a circle one person. It's somebody that, you know, it's going to be a work in progress, and it's okay. When Margo? When you talk about old grudges, don't go there. You're talking about, like, the person says it back to you, like something, or you're... Or I'm talking you're, about, like, things that happened many, many years ago. Who's bringing it up? No, nobody's bringing it up, but you don't need to go back there and say, you know, gee whiz, let's try and figure this all out again. You know, I want to like, you don't have to do that because usually those things are so set and so far gone that hopefully they're not causing you any kind of distress and pain now anyway, in any real level, in any real intensity. They've kind of faded in the background. If they bring it up from way back, I mean, you could say, you know what, I I just don't want to go there. I mean, 
I don't think there's any point. I mean, listen, you, you have to know what it is and whether it's your, worth your while or whether you think that you, you're actually going to get somewhere. But again, with those kind of relationships, it's best to leave those alone. This is what I'm just telling you what Dina says. She's, again, what this class is for, more for, even if you want to, I mean, you can certainly think about what might have happened way back then and, you know, try to maybe find your part in it and do chuva for it, but you don't necessarily, it's like, you know, it's like, do you go to somebody and tell them, I spoke Lashon Hara about you? You know, not always. That can make things worse, right? You want to do chuva, you spoke Lashon Hara, you know, next time they come over, you go, hi, I just want to tell you, I spoke Lashon Hara about you, like, all day yesterday, and I'm really sorry, right? We don't have a chiv to do that, unless we know whatever, that, what, some, I mean, listen, I'm not an expert, but I don't think we have a chiv to do that and create friction and conflict. It's the same thing with these old, unresolved, well-established somethings, okay? There's no reason to dig it up, again, unless it's bothering you on an everyday basis. But what we do want to do is not create new ones. What we do want to do, hi Kim, is crumble the ones that just come up naturally, okay? Yeah, go ahead, Adan. I think more about um, grudges and telling someone in your first circle, like, no, it doesn't I want to talk about it, or someone offended you, or someone said something. In another class I went to, she was saying um, how, let's say your husband or someone in your circle one says something to you that is very hurtful or whatever. There could be like 20 different reasons why they're saying this based on like they had a bad day at work, they had their mothers of this, them, like they had the past, whatever. The 21st reason could have something to do with you. It could be, a, could be that whatever they said to you has nothing to do with you. But yeah, maybe it's the 21st reason, maybe there is something, maybe it's like a small chance that it was actually about you. But chances are that when someone says something hurtful to you, it could be that, that you did nothing wrong. It has nothing For to do sure, with but you. that's part of being an, an evolved person, right? right? An evolved person is able to see the other person when they're not acting properly or saying something properly, as opposed to being totally focused on me, right? So the evolved person, like Stephen Covey says, instead of saying, what are you so angry about? You say, what's, what's hurting you, right? So that's like, it's going right to the root because the person doesn't realize, and what the psychologists tell us is that anger is just a way of saying I'm in pain, I'm hurt, right? Something didn't go the way I wanted it to. Somebody did something that threw me off kilter, right? And it's really just a cry for pain. So when we go right to that and say to the person, what's, you know, I see you're in pain. What's bothering you? What's, what's, as opposed to what are you, what are you so angry about? Right? Because you're not going to get any good response from that. I'm not angry. What are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you why I'm angry. You make me angry. Whatever it is, right? The point is, is not, you know, we want to try and, and, and avoid that. Um, any any other sorry? It might not work with teenagers so much, but it can work with like a spouse. Like yeah. If you say what's what's hurting you, teenagers gonna run. Teenagers just like run away. They're not gonna answer. Yeah, you. probably you're right, because they don't even have the ability right. to. They don't they're have not. The they're yet. not emotionally and maturely right. evolved enough to to know. Okay, huh? Wendy, go no, ahead. I'm thinking that if you do, it might be. Exactly Speak up. We want to hear you. To me, it feels like maybe they exactly what they'd want to hear because they, they would they want to would hear want that. To hear okay. That, wow. Validation. Geez, I'm hurting. Like, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. So okay. Go on. So but try it out and see what happens. Yeah, I think you can. What's try hurting it. you? I mean, you have to know the kid. What if they say directly to you what, you what you said hurts me? Like, just the fact I'm, that you're seeing hurt in them, yeah. you're understanding them. Mm -hmm. 
and they may be desperate for that sometimes. I know, but he depends on kind of parent you are, what your personality is. You can't pretend to be somebody yeah, else. Saying what's hurting you, and it's not in your character. It's right. you losing mm-hmm. out of your But in some ways, they might find it refreshing. Right. Like, 100%. whoa, mom's saying something different for a change. You know, she, we can always count on her to say the same old spew, right? And all of a sudden, she's changing her tune. Maybe it's going to make them stop in their tracks and say, "Wait a second, I don't know how to answer this one. What's hurting me? You know, what are you so angry at me for? All that one I hear all the time, right?" Right? You need to control yourself, young lady. You know, uh-huh. that is so rude. I can't believe you said that. Uh, do I sound like anybody? Uh-huh. Whatever. The point is, is, you know, gee, you, you seem like you're really in pain. And again, it's different when you're the one who might have caused the pain. It's when they come in from school and they're just not in a good mood or from work or whatever it is. And you zone in on, you know, I know it's not about me. You know, I know it's not about me is what you're saying even though they're acting to you like it's about you. You're saying, I know it's really about something that went on before you came in through the door. And you're just using me because that's what we do with Circle One people. Circle One people are the people that we know we can abuse and they're still going to stay with us and be with us. We don't do these things to friends because we're on our best self, because we're trying to put our best face forward. We don't, don't do that with people who ring the doorbell in the middle of a rage. We're able to control ourselves immediately, right? But we do that with Circle One people because, again, you know, the more there's love and all of those things, the more there's also familiarity breeds contempt, right? And we forget that those relationships which are the most important ones and which are the ones that really matter and they're, they're the people who really care about us and the ones who are really going to be there, push comes to shove, right? Those are the people that we tend to let our guard down with. And really, it's not right. Like really, logically speaking, right? My father always used to say, treat your friends, treat your family the way you treat your friends. And treat your friends the way you treat your family. And, and that'll be more correct, you know, if you're going to have to choose one or the other, that's the way really you should be choosing. Well, I want to say something, Nessie? I think that kids actually, and even teenagers, I think they do respond to that. When you're saying, like, you look like you're really upset. Like, you don't have to label the emotion because sometimes they're not good at labeling it. Yeah. And I've even tried this with my kids. Someone has said, if you get it wrong, they're going to tell you, they're, you're going to know. And so we lose my little kids. You seem really sad. They get even more upset. Mm-hmm. But when you really label the emotion, then I've seen them. They feel they like validated, right? The because they, they'll tell you if you're wrong. They'll be like, I'm not sad, I'm mad. Like, they're going to... Right. You're going to know. That's good. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's great advice. Yeah, you're the one that caused your kid angry, and your kid's angry. Then they don't have to wait. But you're labeling what they are feeling, and you're validating it. Wow, what I said just really made you mad. Could you say that, Nessia? Yeah, I think you can say that. I'm sorry I frustrated you, but... Not but. And I didn't mean it. Uh Okay, listen, try try the new mask on, you know? There's nothing wrong to get out of a certain groove and try something on.
Yeah, try something else. Sometimes we have to go out of our character. We have to well, act. Sure. Aren't you doing humor tonight? Yeah, That's we're going to do That's humor. Sure That's what we're getting to. Okay, so let me just give you one more idea that Dina Schoonmaker puts out there. I think it's a really lofty level, but let's just imagine somebody who you're very close to doesn't include you in some special event, okay? Let's say you weren't invited to the wedding. Okay, now you've either always invited this person to you, to the wedding and you didn't get an invitation, okay? Not only that, then she had somebody call you to ask if you'd be involved in the Sheva Brachas. Okay, are you burning now? Yeah, yeah you're burning. Margot's burning. Steam's coming out of her ears. Okay, so let's take the scenario. I should have been invited. It made no sense that I wasn't invited. They even asked me to be part of Sheva Brachas. And not necessarily as the Panim Chadashot, like I shouldn't be the Panim Chadashot, right? And I wasn't. So what do we do when something like that happens? We will perpetuate the pain, right? This is called Hakpada. This is called overpaying, right? When we said the impatient person overpays the, for the experience, right? It's not just, I'm hot, it's, I'm hot, I can't believe how hot it is, it's so hot in here, are you hot? I'm really hot, right? We overpay and we get ourselves more and more. So this is an easy situation to imagine that we're going to overpay, right? I can't believe they left me out, I'm not happy, I'm not going to be happy with your simcha, how can I be happy with your simcha? You didn't include me, I didn't get invited, now you have the audacity and the chutzpah to, to think I'm going to come and, and do something with your sheva brachas, and so what do we do? Of course, we do what we talked about in Sarah Yocheved Riggler's book, we choose the world of estrangement over the world of connection. Because that's always our choice when we have these kind of episodes in our life, right? It's up to us. We're either going to choose the world of estrangement, which is the world of perpetual pain, and we're going to build this incredible monument inside of us that will never come down, that we will never be able to crumble, right? Or what are we going to do? So listen to what Diva suggests and... I don't know. This You have to be a really good actress and really be a master of your emotions to be able to do this. Okay? Now she says at this point, when you've continued to distance yourself, you are actually responsible for your continued negative feelings. You've chosen the world of estrangement, and it's a counter of th and, and it would be a counterintuitive thing for you to do to include yourself, meaning saying, you know what, I really probably was supposed to be invited. And obviously something happened. I mean, Kamsa Bar Kamsa, we know that story, right? The invitation went to the wrong address. I don't know what happened, but this is obviously what couldn't have been intentional. I mean, they want me to be part of the Sheva Brachas, right? She's the one that asked, right? Maybe she doesn't realize I wasn't at the wedding. I didn't get the invitation. Maybe, and I just had this happen in Israel. I was actually with a friend who, and she was. She came to the bris of my grandson, and um, somebody very chashuv to both of us also came. And she said after the bris, she said she didn't look at me or talk to me. This very chashuv person, whatever. Okay, she didn't learn this thing part. She didn't. And maybe this was just something she thought, but she said. It's because I didn't send her an invitation to my son's wedding, which was in New York, and this woman lives in Israel. But she said, that's probably why. She's probably angry at me. 
And then she said to me, she said, I called her so many times because I wanted to invite her personally, but she never answered the phone. And she probably thought each time she's going to get her so she doesn't want to leave a message because it would be more covetic to tell her about it, that her son got married and this and that because this woman had done a lot for her in her life. And then she even said, she said, um, what else did she say? She said, and then I got so overwhelmed with all the preparations because she lives in Israel and she had to fly all her kids into New York and she doesn't live in New York and she had to get everything ready and money is an issue with her and finances and she was overwhelmed and this is her first wedding of her first kid and she's got eight children of marriageable age. So we're talking major overwhelm here, right? So she's explaining to me, you know why she's not talking to me? Because I, I didn't invite her. And I'm telling you, I called her a few times. And then I just got so overwhelmed. And we flew to New York like three weeks before the wedding. And that was it. Okay, so I'm sitting there. I don't have any emotions about this. I could totally understand how that could happen. Right? But for the rest of whoever's life, they could just say, how insulting. How offensive. Isn't this terrible? After all I've done for her with the measuring stick, right? After all I've done for her. Okay, so what happens? She says, listen what you should do. You should call and tell the person how happy you are for them. Okay? You should assume it was an oversight. You, sh you should think that they probably left you out unintentionally. Or maybe they were really limited in who they could invite. Now here, you know, we have the safety net. We have, we invite you to the chuppah, right? You know, we let you know we would have loved to have you, but we had a limit, right? So we can't really use that one in Toronto. Now there are some communities where there's no such thing as chuppah. You know, like I'm either invited or I'm not. Don't give me this chuppah business, right? And then there are a lot of people who, even with the chuppah business, are going to say, what do you mean I've only got invited to the chuppah? What is that all about? Right? So even though Toronto has this safety net, we don't really, with the people who are going to be like, I don't understand. I mean, aren't we best friends? I invited you to my wedding. What's with me in the chuppah, right? Okay, so like, there's always a way to insult people when it comes to these things, which is why it's such an incredible example. So she gives another... Um, so, and we, no, they don't do it. They, the non-orthodox, they don't... Modern orthodox, they did not understand it for the life of them. Yeah, you're invited or you're not invited. None of this chuppah business and driving two hours, especially in New York. Crazy. Who's going to drive in New York? Right? They all drive hours to go to a wedding. In traffic, they're going to go to the chuppah and go, hi, you know. I mean, okay, there's enough food at the smorgasbord to eat for the next three weeks, but, you know, still, in a New York wedding. But, you know, it's just not done. So here in Toronto, we have this thing. Now, if you were from out of Toronto and you got the chuppah invitation or you, you know, you're like, I don't understand this. And it's a down south thing. There you go. It's cultural. Right. Your friends. Right. It's different. Yeah. So a lot of it is cultural and a lot of it is the way your society does it. And again, there are times when we get hurt because we don't understand what's the done thing. And again, going back to last week's class, the first thing that you have to do when it comes to being offended and insulted, 
whether it's your circle one, and especially with circle one people, is you have to try and say, you know what, it wasn't intentional. Like the Chafetz Chaim said, if they had known how much it was going to hurt me, they never would have done this. Very few people do things to hurt us intentionally. Most people are not evil. Most people are not trying to figure out a way to do something so that you will be in pain for the rest of your life and be thinking of them before you can get moda ani out of your mouth in the morning, okay? They have better things to do. But people are imperfect. People are limited. People make mistakes. So what Dean is saying in this instance is you should assume, you should, you should, you should use self-imposed naivety. She said you should be this wide-eyed cartoon character as if you know, you just don't, I'm sure you wanted to invite me. You must have been overwhelmed. You must have lost my invitation, right? Like, you just act like you're a total, you know, geek, whatever, that you don't harbor any resentment at all because there must be some kind of explanation, right? So she says, suggest something like this. So you ignore the fact that they didn't include you, and the next time you see the person, you act excited and happy. Oh, I'm so excited that Shlo, your son Shloimi, oh, he's such a great guy, and oh, she's such a great girl, and blah, blah, blah. And you're dropping the measuring stick. And by doing that, you're not distancing yourself further. Because what's our natural reaction when we see that person? We're jumping into the garbage can, right? Let, we're like three days of hatred. You think it's going to go longer than that? What's the definition of hatred? Three days of animosity where you cannot look or talk to the person. That's the definition, definition halachically of the fact that you hate this person and you better do something about it. Altisna achicha bilvavecha. We have a mitzvah. You're not allowed to hate somebody in your heart. But tzedek tishpot amitecha. You're supposed to, in the courtroom of your mind, be judging the person favorably, and these are all mitzvahs that are derisa that we have to do, right? So if we don't do it immediately, we have to work on it. And this is what she's suggesting to do here. She says, so you're dropping the measuring stick, you're not distancing yourself further. Now, she says, now, I'm not, you're not in a pushy way pushing yourself in with this naivety. What you're doing is you're rising above the error that was, that there was some kind of error, you're rising above the error, and you're not perpetuating the error. And that will make us happier. And not only that, what will make us even happier is getting involved in the other person's simcha. That's really going with Nimi Shur Sadin. Yes, put me at the head of the committee of the Sheva Brachas, because I'm sure this person did not intentionally mean not to invite me. We're like dear friends, so right? How could that be? So listen to what she says next, okay? Well, maybe awkward when they wonder why you didn't give a gift. Yeah, but hopefully this is all going to happen. When they, Look, when they realize that you didn't give a gift. Okay, but we're talking about Shevabrucha still. It hasn't been half a year or a year yet. And a lot of people don't give gifts in the Orthodox community, so don't worry about that. They go to too many weddings. Huh? You'll be, I know in really from families, it's like they're always like amazed if they get gifts. It's like, are you kidding? Because they're so big, and they're always going to weddings. and they're always, They don't do that. Forget about a thank you card, but you weren't here last week, so you don't know. Okay. to a wedding in Brooklyn. And if you have a child that's getting married here in Toronto, another child, later on, you're not invited to that one. You're invited because it's... Because it's in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, so you're so invited. So that happens right, too. You know? Right. So again, again, it all depends how you're going to take it. Are you going to take it as like, okay, I understand, because it's in Brooklyn, 
I'm on the B list and I just moved up. And it's the opposite. Um, then you understand. Excellent. Right, and it's true so when we experience it. Just be humble. Not, not everybody has to write a story. Not everybody has to life is busy people make life mistakes and we make mistakes how many times do we say oh my gosh I almost forgot that person I can't believe it how could I ever forget cousin Susie I mean you know whatever it is right we all have limitations you know there are things that have happened I mean you know I mean we have this family enigma that my brother who died suddenly like he had a burial plot it was paid for. It was in St. Catharines next to my parents and my grandparents. But yet after he died, we were all, the whole family going, where are we going to bury him? And we buried him in Toronto for some reason. And only after, six months later, somebody said, you know, he's got a plot in St. Catharines. like, well, where were you? I mean, it was a family member, right? And St. Catharines is such a small little town, they actually gave us the money back for it. I could, would they do that anywhere else? I'm sorry, we forgot. You know, but obviously God, so to speak, took the idea totally out of everyone's head so that he would be buried here, which is where God wanted him to be, next to whoever he is. Even though in our minds, what do you mean? He would have been right next to Mom and Dad and Bubby and Zadie and... You know, the whole, and they all went so close together. Wouldn't have that made sense? And he had a place. We didn't even have to think about it. It was, it was there. So again, we don't know why something escapes our mind, like Deborah's saying. But that's part of being humble, and that's part of when you've actually been through something, like making a simcha, God forbid, having a shiva. You understand there's so much that you're scrambling with at the last minute, and, you know, sitting, seating people. How many people agonize over that if you have people that are going to get angry because you sat them next to, you know, don't sit me next to that person. Right? I mean, there's so much that can go wrong. So that's what she's saying. She's saying... You know, and then she says, but you could give tochacha. You could still give tochacha. First you have to drop the measuring stick. You didn't do it intentionally. You know, I'm rising above it. I'm saying, you know, what can I do for the Sheva Brachas? I'd love to help because I'm choosing connection and not estrangement. I'm choosing to be the happier self that once I actually put, right, how do you, what does Rav Dessler say? The more you give, the more you love. Right? There's a, a, a something that's been created between the two of us. But I'm going to jump right in and say, yeah, I want to help with the Sheva Brachas. Because I know that just by giving and helping, I'm going to go another nine yards. Right? Because I dropped the measuring stick. I said, I understand. It wasn't intentional. She was overwhelmed. She didn't mean it. Da, da, da. She didn't even know that I wasn't there. I mean, that's how you know overwhelmed she was. Oh, look at this, the mailbox. Oh, it fell behind the mailbox. Whoopsie. Whatever, right? It could be anything, right? So I'm going to go that extra mile. And you know what's really interesting with Hashem in this world is when we do that, we usually do end up finding out that it was much different than the way we thought it was. And we usually do when we're done the kafschus, we end up finding out that we're, we're much closer to the truth of what really happened than our first instinct of what it was. 
Because when we're able to restrain ourselves and go that extra mile and be creative and think out of the box, it's really amazing. I mean, it's only happened to me a few times in my life, but it was alarming and shocking enough that I saw that when you take your blinders off and you get out of yourself and you become creative in trying to figure out why a person could have possibly done what they did, you will end up probably being closer to the truth the more absurd the story gets, then you are going to be by your knee-jerk reaction of what I saw is what is. You said the very beginning, you said we can choose estrangement or we will choose... Connection. The connection. world of connection. It's up to us. Didn't you have it also with the wedding and whatever, some presentation where you sent someone an invitation and they never got it and you put it out to their front door, you couldn't find a mailbox. Yeah, it blew never, away. They never came. And it wasn't somebody who needed RSVP, so you didn't know that they didn't get it. And then you show up, you're like, why didn't you come? Well, you didn't she. invite me. Well, sure, I did. I dropped it off at your front door. You're like, well, you're just reminding me I dropped something off at somebody's front door today, and I didn't call them yet to tell them, like, could you take that to Israel? So, like, whatever. <laughs> Thank you. i got to do that before I go to bed tonight. Yeah, they're going to be like, hey, what is this, and why is this here? You know, because my son called and said, drop it off at their house, because their nephew's going to Israel, and he told me he'd take it, but she doesn't know anything about that. Okay? So, yeah. Thank you, Hadassah. Okay, but here's another way. She says, now you've done the dropping the measuring stick, but now you could still do a tochacha thing if, let's say, you really weren't invited. So you could say something like this, she says, I'm so happy to help you with the Sheva brachas because I was so disappointed that I wasn't at the wedding or that I wasn't at the engagement party if it was the... Okay, that's kind of right. And you say it not in a blaming way. And she might say right then and there, oh my goodness, you know what? I tried to reach you and I couldn't and then I forgot. Okay, now she's talking about an engagement party before the, before the wedding, the vort. Okay? So, and she's saying, oh, you know what? I was limited in the people I could invite. We, have this, we only had this small space and I had to cut it down. Okay? Hopefully the person will learn what they need to learn from this comment. So you educate them without blaming. It allows the room for the person to apologize, explain themselves, and understand their mistake. You give the person a chance to explain herself. So this is a situation where first you have to use VTOUR, where you drop the measuring stick and you say, you know what, it could have happened to me too. I don't know what happened. I know it wasn't vindictive. I know it wasn't intentional. It doesn't feel good, but I'm going to rise above this. I'm going to right? Or, together with that, I'm going to say something to let the person know in a way that's very soft but clear that, you know, it really hurt me what you did. I did that once with a friend that I was very close to, and I was, I think I was teaching this last year, two years ago, and I was on this, so I, I, I was brave enough to do it, and I was amazed because it actually worked. I just said something like, you know, it's really hard when you're going through something like what I went through and like you don't feel like supported by friends. And I was just throwing it out there. It's like a general comment. And the person picked up on it and said, oh, you know, I, I don't think I was really there for you very much. And then I was able to kind of open the conversation and say, the truth is I was a little bit surprised at how you really weren't there. And I, you know... Oh, well, you know, my life has been so overwhelming, too, and I would have been there, but I was so overwhelmed with my own stuff. But you're right. I should have been there. So to me, I was like, wow! <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, because otherwise I would have bottled that up, right? And I would have always felt that, like, you know what? 
we're good friends, but you know what, we're not really that good friends because obviously you weren't there for me in my most needy time of my life. So like, what? how good friends could we really be, right? But by opening it up and being able to say it in a way that wasn't blaming and wasn't directed, but just kind of out there, like, you know, when, I'm, when, you're go when somebody's going through something or when I was going through something, you really realize how important your friends are. You really realize how important... And, but my intention was for her to get it, and it worked. You know, and I, it wasn't rocket science, it was just this urge of mine, mine to, like, want to clear the air. And that's how I did it. Okay, we're going on to humor. Forced. Petty. Can you speak up? Either it's going to be that they forgot, which mistakes happen, and maybe by going through that initial stage, you should just accepted that. Or they're going to say they didn't have space. But like, it just seems like, what's the point? Like, it does seem like a bit of a... There's no point unless you're the one that's suffering a lot and you're living in the world of estrangement and pain because of it, right? And you know that you got to get over it. Right? If you're the one who's, has, who's, who's being eaten up by it. Yeah, maybe to you it's petty, but to somebody else it's huge. Right? Because that's all they have are the invitations that they get. I'm just wondering what answer they could possibly get that's going to better. Yeah, I don't know. Right, and it could be that the person says, you know what, I'm really sorry, but I just, I had to draw the line somewhere, and this is where I drew the line. You know, but please don't take it personally. You know, we're, I still see you as a very good friend. That's why I want you to be part of the Sheva Brachas, because I want you to be part of my Simcha. And I felt so badly that I had to cut the line there, right? So even if that's the open conversation that you end up having, and even then, you still have a choice. You can still say, well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been at the cutoff line for the invitation guest list. That was really wrong of you. And if that's the way you think about our friendship, then you're a circle two person, right? And again, you have the freedom to say, this isn't a friendship that I want to continue. But again, once you decide that, if you haven't gotten rid of all the anger and upset together with that, then you're still living, you're still living with capeda, with resentment, with anger, with toxic kind of stuff, with the desire to take revenge, right? Bear a grudge, whatever it is, if the, if the opportunity would arise, you're probably going to exercise that. So again, we have to be real with ourselves. To you, it's like, so what? They didn't invite me. So what? Okay, they were, you know, they couldn't. They couldn't. I see myself as really close to them. They obviously don't see it the same way. Grow up, deal with it, and move on. Right? But for some people it's easier, for some people it's harder, for some people it takes a day, for some people it takes a year. The point is, is God is telling us, you got to do the work. You want that to become another mountain in your life of Hakpada that you can't break up? Even if you tried because you built another, right, monument inside to that being insulted and, you know, overlooked and pained. Again, over and over again, we have free will. We can choose the world of connection or the world of estrangement. 
And again, it doesn't mean you have to be best friends with this person. Maybe you now have to readjust your lens and realize, well, I guess, again, this person doesn't feel about me the way I feel about them. I could never imagine cutting off my list there. Right? But they obviously could. So let me reevaluate this. Not that I'm not going to still be nice and I'm still going to be friendly and I'm not going to bear a grudge and I'm not going to be angry, but I'm not I don't have to invite them anymore. I don't have to and it'll be fine. And I don't have to be in touch with them the way I used to be. Okay? And life is too short, like I said, and there's lots of wonderful people to be friends with. And there's lots of people who want to be your friend. So, like, go for that. Right? Get over the, the recess in the schoolyard and wanting the kid who doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> go talk to the kids who want to talk to you. And that's really what it's about. Everybody clear with that? Can we move to humor? Anybody have anything else to add? Let's laugh. Okay. So, tochacha, again, just to close, is one of the tools. It's probably the most effective when it works, but it's the least recommended. Okay, again, because we should try it. We should exert that muscle like I tried this week and maybe some of you did in this past week. You can fail. You can learn from it. You can say, okay, maybe I'll try this one again after I dust myself off and, you know, my bruises disappear and I'll try it again. Don't give up. But again, we have to realize it's a mitzvah when it's done properly with love and the other person you are 99% sure is going to be able to receive it. Humor. These are for the people who can't ever receive tochacha. Okay? They just are never going to get it. So, humor is a very important tool in a person's spiritual development in general. Jews are funny. Okay? We're funny for a reason. We're funny... And, and being funny and being humorous and being light is very important for spiritual growth. When people get too heavy and too intense, like the balei tshuva in the room, that can happen very easily, okay? And even some people who are born from, you know, how many balei tshuva does it take to screw in a light bulb? Anybody know that joke? No? <laughs> Only, okay, it takes one, no, it takes one to screw it in and nine to say, are you sure you're doing that the right way? Okay, whatever it is. The point is, is like, you know, intensity has its place, but it's very important. So what do we mean by humor? We don't mean the light slapstick type of humor, right? The slipping on the banana peel and laughing at the guy. Or, you know, all those uh, crazy shows that there used to be where everybody laughs at people's mishaps and, you know, whatever, terrible things. But the sages say, and I'm sure you've all heard this, that when a person is trying to teach an idea, you should always start with a joke, right? That's a big thing. Rabbis have to be stand-up comedians if they want to succeed. It was really funny, actually, when we were becoming Rabbi Rebetzin at the shul in New York. It was in this little... Uh, Peninsula, you know, Sheepshead Bay and Manhattan Beach. Anyway, whatever. It's a peninsula. It's surrounded by water. It's at the end of Avenue. You all know Avenue J. Well, if you go to Avenue Z, Avenue Z, you get to a peninsula surrounded by water. Anyway, the point is, is as we were driving in there on our, you know, that we were moving in, we had the job, we passed this comedy, little comedy club. And I said to my husband, you know what, if the shul doesn't work out, 
we'll, we'll try over there, right? Because a lot of rabbis are like, you know, stand-up comedians on the side. But anyway, okay, very important to start a class with a joke. It opens up people's heart, and they're able to receive the teaching in joy. You've probably heard this Gemara before, that Eliyahu Anavi um, was talking about two people. No, he had heard about two people who are going straight to Olam Haba. And he wanted to know who these people were. He wanted to meet them. So he went to find them. And people told somebody told him who, who they were, and he went to find them in the marketplace. And he said to them, you know, I want to know what do you do I heard that you're very, very special people and that you're, you're getting olam haba. So what is it that you do? And they said, well, we make sad people happy and we calm people down who are in an argument. Okay? So that's why we're getting olam haba. We may not do anything else, no, just, but that's how important it is to be somebody who makes other people happy or calms people down when they're in a frenzied kind of place. Okay? So these people are getting Olam Hava. So what does humor do? Humor helps to reframe a situation. Words of humor are a tool in education, in the worship of Hashem, and a tool that lofty people use. It's funny because I hear sometimes, like I, I remember hearing like there's certain gedolim or people that you would think would be very serious. Like for example, in Toronto, there's Rabbi Palm, for anybody who's heard of Rabbi Palm. So Rabbi Palm's this tiny little man, right? He's the son of the Rabbi Palm of Torah Vidas. And he's related to friends of ours, Peter and Mimi Miller, through marriage. Their son, they had two sons, and one of them ended up marrying Rabbi Palm's daughter. And Peter Miller is an extremely funny man, if you've ever been entertained by him. But he always says about his shver, Rabbi Palm, who's always with a Gemara like this in front of him, he says he's the funniest person he's ever met in his life. Okay? So sometimes the people that we wouldn't think, but the idea that great people use humor in their avodas Hashem to keep themselves light, to not get too into themselves, to get not get too intense, to beat the arrogance that will naturally come with becoming greater and greater in anything, right? They'll use it to, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Tone down, right? Or distract attention in order to be able to build without the Yetzirah coming to get them, right? Ah, if I just make a little joke, the Yetzirah doesn't think I'm really that serious about becoming a great Torah scholar, right? Or etc. So it, it has to be done in the right way. Okay. Humor helps us not to have hakpada in the first place. If we stay light, you know, there used to be a Joni Mitchell song that I loved. It was in her later period when she was getting into jazz. But she had a song that I loved. She said it went 50-50, um, fire and ice. If, if there's one rule to this game, everybody's going to name, it's be cool. If you're worried or uncertain, if your feelings are hurting, you're a fool if you can't keep cool. Charm them, don't alarm them, keep things light, keep your worries out of sight. Play it cool, play it cool. 50-50, fire and ice. Okay? So I like the words to that, and I think it was saying this. 
that, you know, humor helps you to keep things cool, to keep things light. Revolbe from Ale Shore, the Bal Musser that we've been learning a lot from in this Vad, says anybody whose life is full of grudges, his life is not a life. And he needs to work on humor. He needs to learn work on lightening up. Life is too serious to be taken so seriously. Right? Everybody heard that line before? Now what's the difference between the humor we're talking about and the other kind of humor which the Torah frowns upon? That's what we call leitzanus, right? From the word leitzan, a clown. Leitzan katancheli, right? That's called frivolous humor. That's not what we're talking about. There's another kind of humor that's called achzarius, which comes from the word achzor, which is cruel, which we mentioned, right? Making fun of somebody, laughing at another person's pain. That's not the type of humor we're talking about. The definition of humor is like this. <clears throat> this is a mita that has compassion for people who have a hard life. Forgiveness for people who don't have emotional intelligence. Okay. This is a mita that has compassion for people who have a hard life and forgiveness for people who don't have emotional intelligence. So somebody who's really funny usually is very observant. And they see other people and what they do and what they say. And the reason we laugh at them is because we see ourselves, because people are universal and we all recognize whatever those failings are or there's idiosyncrasies or those funny things are, we recognize it and we laugh. So this is the definition of somebody who has this ability, this sharp eye, okay? So this is a person who has a sharp eye for understanding the weaknesses of people, but without devaluing them. Everybody understand that? And that is a fine balance. A sharp eye for understanding the weaknesses of people, but without devaluating them or devaluing them. I don't know which word it is. What would you say? Devaluate? Devaluate. Devaluating. No, no, no. No, devaluing. Okay, good. I need a pen. Okay, devaluing. I say that in the next line for some. Devaluing what? Devaluing them. Okay, we're going to talk about that. I meant to bring something with me to... without devaluing the person. Right. So again, let's, let's flesh this out a bit. So it's the ability to understand what's going on with the other party. And I could be hard on them or I could have compassion on them. So I know what they're going through. I know what's happening with them. I know they have this uh, weakness or this idiosyncrasy or this... Uh, something missing, right? So either I have a choice, I can be hard on them or I can be compassionate about it. And again, that has so much to do with my sense of self. When someone does something to me, we are sure they are trying to hurt me. That's what it's saying. But it's usually about them. They're deficient in some way. Humor shifts the energy from me to them. When someone does something to me, our first impulse, because we're all me-centric and egocentric and defensive and we're the center of the universe, right? 
They're trying to hurt me. They're doing something to me, and I'm not going to let them get away with that. Right? I'm going to judge them in a harsh way because I'm sure they're doing it intentionally. They're trying to hurt me. But if we become more evolved, and again, it's the same idea of what, 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 you're in pain, right? What, 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 what would it say? Instead of saying, why are you angry? Um, why are you hurting? What's, what's you? right? What's hurting you? What, 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 what's making you, what's making you pain? Whatever, hurt, okay? So it's the same idea. It's not about us, it's about them. They're deficient in some way. And when we make a joke about it to ourselves, or we think of it in a light, almost funny way, it shifts the energy from me to them. Okay, let's talk about this a little more. Again, it's a sharp eye for the weakness of others without devaluing them. So the question is, how do you not devalue the other person? Right? What do you mean? You see their weakness. You make a little joke on some level or another, in some way or another. We're going to find out how. And how do you not devalue them like that? So here we go. Being very attuned to what's going on with others, she says, is a talent. That's why people go into psychology, right? That's why some people are natural psychologists and psychiatrists because they really get people and they really understand what's going on with them, okay? For example... This person has no self-esteem, right? Now, you don't have to be a great psychologist to figure that out, right? If you hear somebody who's bragging about themselves all the time or somebody who's super defensive when you say anything to them that isn't exactly the way they want it to be said. So you don't have to be, again, you don't have to be brilliant to figure out this person has a self-esteem issue. But if this is the way you go around psychoanalyzing everybody and thinking you're so brilliant because you know exactly what's wrong with everybody... This is not where it has to stay. You need to use this ability that you have, this ability to zone in with your sharp eye because you happen to be that type of person that's very observant. And even if you're not, we all have the ability to zone in on other people's weaknesses, unfortunately, sometimes much more easily than their strengths, right? And there are some people who are masters at it. Yes? Okay. So what do we have to do? This And this is the balance. We have to be psychologically attuned. In other words, we have to be able to analyze the person. You know what? This person doesn't have self-esteem. This person, because they're very lazy, they're always blaming other people for not getting the job done, right? This person, because they're very impatient, you know, they're always interrupting, whatever it is, right? And you might know what it is. But at the same time that you're psychologically attuned, you have to be loving at the same time. And this is the key, and this is what makes this meet a very di this tool very difficult. So you're not the cynical psychologist who's labeling everybody. You're the best psychologist who sees who the person is but is loving at the same time. You're also not the naive do-gooder who thinks everybody is good. They might be very loving and forgiving of everybody, but they're not insightful in any way. So that's easy, right? When you're excusing everybody's behavior because, whatever, because you want to be nice or you want to be the one who says, no, but yeah, you have to look at this and you have to look at that. So sometimes we're saying you can go overboard with that too. You're just giving opposite extremes. So you could be very loving but not very insightful. So you need both. To really master this, you need to be loving, but you also have to have ins insight. And this is what helps us not to have 
Pana. So let me give you a few examples. So when you're not insightful and you're only loving, you think that all you can think that all the offenses are meant intentionally. In other words, you're not trying to figure out that this person is limited in some way. And whatever they did or said is not intentional because this person has no tact. This person was born, I'm very, it's very clear to me that this person has no tact. This person talks the way they do because their self-esteem is very low. Okay? So it, you, 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 so that's your insight. And she gives an example. She says, an Arab throws a rock at you in Israel. She lives in Israel, so there's a lot of Arab uh, rock things, okay? An Arab throws a rock at you in Israel. His intention is to hurt. It's clear that his intention is to hurt you. But she says, let's say a friend throws a rock. It hits another rock, and that rock jumps off of that one and hits you in the face. Now, we obviously know the difference between the two, right? One person was intentionally picking up the rock to throw it at you, and it's so clear that they intentionally want to hurt you. And the other person, it just happened that, you know, they didn't really mean to, but, you know, they threw the rock and hit another rock and it hit you. That's the tactless person, right? They just throw rocks all the time. They don't know what they're doing. And you laugh about it because you finally realize, and because you're very insightful, but you're not going to build up a wall or hate them because of it. You're going to come to the conclusion that this person is just missing something. They will never learn how to be tactful, like we said, unless you follow them around all day long and tell them, you know, everything they should say in each situation. They're just, they just don't get it. And, you know, we all have things that we don't get. Some of them are glaring and they get in the way of our functioning and they get in the way of our social abilities and they get in the way of sometimes, if it's extreme, getting jobs, keeping friends, right? And some of us have little holes that we don't really know about, but when we have those interactions with other people, because we said we're in a box, we can't see ourselves, that's God's way of sometimes letting us know there's some stuff that we've got to fix and realign and work on, okay? More examples. There are many offenders who are in Hakpada situations, who are in them because they're emotionally unintelligent. Can you hear that? Again. That there are a lot of offenders, people who insult and abuse other people because they themselves are emotionally unintelligent. So other people have built up things against them and they might you know, respond in kind because of their own limitation in terms of emotionally inte emotional intelligence, EQ. They don't know you don't say that. That person just lost their parent or that per you know, the right? All the bloopers when people go to shivas, right? All the bloopers that people say to people who's got kids who aren't married yet. All the bloopers that we say ourselves because we've never been in that situation and we didn't know that that's the wrong thing to say, right? So they're emotionally unintelligent. We can all be, right? It's not somebody who threw a rock at you to hurt you. It's somehow I got hit when that person threw the rock. It's not personal. They just do this. Okay? When you understand that a person has a limitation, you can still love them. That's the key. And let me just give you this last example. So you have a friend in a wheelchair. Let's say you have a friend who's in a wheelchair. You would never expect your friend to get up and run with you to catch the bus. 
right? You're not going to yell at your friend in the wheelchair and say, we just missed the bus, you idiot. Why didn't you move quicker? Why didn't you get up? Why didn't we, you know, you made us miss the bus. You're not going to say that because you understand that they can't do that. In the same way you don't devalue this particular person, you shouldn't devalue others because it's like saying, I love you even with your handicap. Even though this is something that you will never get. Yeah. And they what? They do it over and over again, or it's a one-time thing? Well, I don't know. Is I think this is like somebody who's almost like a constant offender. But isn't that usually a circle one person? Because yeah. most of the time, circle two people, like you said, they come in and out of your life. They compliment you. They're not going to insult. They're not going to. I mean, of course, there are times when they will, but. This is going to be recurring more likely in circle one people. Yeah, circle so one. It could be in but, circle three but even. Then, but, but, but let's talk about the circle okay. one. It's probably the most affecting you and it's the most common right. one happening. Right. You're not going to necessarily think of them as tactless people because you you know them well. You know they're not tactless. So you really have to well, look at tactless this is just one. deficiency. It's, it is a lacking. It is an emotional lacking. Right. But even that's hard to... So then what's, 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 what's the choice? Can you get really intense about it? Right? You have this person in circle one who you know they're always going to react the same way. Okay? When I'm going to even try to say something to them in the nicest way possible, or I'm going to be in a situation with them, I know for sure they are going to do A, B, or C. I know for sure that when I'm going to say this, they're going to say that, and we're going to be like this again, right? And it's never going to go past this. So again, this is the choice that this tool is saying. You can get really intense about it. You can just be stuck on it like two goats with their, you know, and the other person doesn't even know what's going on because, well, I don't know. What did I do? What did I do? Right? I don't understand. What did I do? I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. Well, how come everybody reacts to you this way when you do this? Like, not just me. Like, everybody agrees that you do and say things that, like, just make people feel awkward and judged and weird. Okay? But that person's going to be like, uh-uh. I don't get it. No, I don't. So it comes to a point, and this is what this tool is saying, where you have to decide. This is a circle one person. You're not getting rid of them, right? Of course, this can happen with circle three people, right? You can be in a store. You can be somewhere, and okay, this person does something or says something, or they come to your shiva, or they come to your wedding, and they say something weird, okay? But then they're out, you know? And you realize this person's got a screw loose, or this person doesn't function well, Okay? But with circle one people, that's the point. You have to kind of learn how to go, <laughs> oh, you know what? Even with that, there's so many other things to love about this person. I'm really going to keep focusing on that. And this little blip on the radar screen, this thing that's never going to change, this thing that it's clear is just they were born with it. It's not going away. Let me love all of them. Let me love all of them, even the handicap, even the difficulty, even the thing that every time they do it, it's like a pinch, it's like a kick. 
So how can I deflate this? How can I diffuse this? Because it's not intentional. They don't know what they're doing. In a million years, if I said to them, do you know what you're doing? No. Do you know how much this hurts me? Yes, I'll try not to. And then they do it again in the next minute or in the next hour because they don't get it. It's like perseveration. Sorry. Do you, does this make sense? I am talking to her. Does this make sense? And we all have these people in our lives, okay? We all, Marla, have these people in our lives. You can do that with your spouse, but if you have a kid that's like this, would you have a responsibility to educate your child and explain to them, you can't behave like this, you can't see It depends what it is, of course, to a certain degree. That is your job. Your job is to educate your kids. Your job is to get them to be mentors. Your job is to socialize them. Your job is to, but you know what? you got to figure out and you you do i mean that was my experience you know that there comes a point in time where you know you, you, you like it's over they're not going to they're not going to change you are certainly not going to be the one that changes them and so that's really i think and we're going to get to that tool where to feel it comes in where the only thing left is you could say you know what it would be so good if this person had some kind of experience or some kind of opening or somebody else told them or something where there's a bit of an earthquake or their world shifts somehow and all of a sudden they say, whoa, I get it, I see it. But it's not going to happen because of any tochacha you give them. It's not going to happen because of any modeling or because you love them so much and so they're just going to want to change. It's not going to happen. Right? And that's really our sixth tool that we're going to get to, which is tefillah. Okay? That there comes a time when obviously we know we cannot do the work for the person. This work that this person may have to do could take them 20 years. And it's painful to watch, and it's hard to stand on the sidelines, but your job with this tool of humor is to see the weakness, know that it's there, and continue loving the person and not devalue them, not devalue them. And again, sometimes we have to turn an eye inward and realize there is no human being who doesn't have places where we are special needs, okay? Where we have special needs. Yes, Marla? Something says something to you that is, that is insulting. You're supposed to say, ha, 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 no, it depends who it is and what the situation is. If you can say to them, you know, that really hurt me. Um, I don't know if you realize that that really hurt me. And then the person has the chance to say, oh, gee, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. Right? You can do that. That's allowed. The point is, is we're talking about not letting it fester. That's actually good because that's called direct communication. Right? Like there was somebody here who said to me, because um, I just mentioned briefly that, you know, one of the tools, which is going to be our next one, is, you know, why is he doing this to me? Why is she doing that to me? That one of the tools is to take it up to the spiritual level. 
and say, why is he doing this to me? Why is he allowing this person to be in my life and insult me and offend me? So somebody said to me last week, they said, oh, so you're saying that if God is in the picture, then it's, you know, God's doing it. He's the one sending the person, so they're allowed to offend and insult you because that's what God wants. Well, that's very simplistic, right? So obviously I said to the person, no, maybe what God wants is for you to become more assertive for you to have that direct conversation, for you not to just take it and allow yourself to be abused, which some people will allow, but to do something about it. Or the people who don't allow themselves to be abused, they will instead just hold on to it, right? And let it just sit there and be angry and upset and insulted and offended. So yeah, we have to say something. How are we doing? Are we done? I can't see the clock. 9.15. Okay. Um, I mean, I can finish this one if you want to just... Mm. A lot of it I don't think is so... No, you know what? Let's let's save it for next week. We'll start with humor. Just the end of it. Just to recap. Just to get us back into what it is and how to use it. It's not going to work for everybody. But it's a muscle. It's a muscle that you have to use. Instead of getting so intense about what that person's doing again, try to find the light side. And we're going to explain that. But that's what people laugh at. People laugh at things. Here, I'll just give you one more idea because I think it's good. When you go to a sh comedy show, you know what you laugh about? You laugh about things that you would normally cry about. That would normally seem like the most horrible thing, right? You know what the biggest jokes are about in Israel? Like when you're a new Olah, right? It's about like Misrad HaPanim, right? Trying to get through Israel's bureaucracy to become an Olah. So when you're in it, right, when you come to the post office that told you to be there at like six sharp and they didn't open till nine, you know, and then they told you that you need all these papers that they never told you you need on the phone, right, and then they told you that they're closing in three minutes and if you don't have the paper there now, well then I'm sorry, you can't catch your plane and go back to America and do everything else that you had planned that day, right? So you are going to cry and you are going to scream. But when you're sitting in a comedy club and somebody's on the stage and they're talking about Misrat Panim and how horrible it was and how terrible it was, you're cracking up. That's true. Right? Because you're not... What happened? Why? Because you took yourself out of it. You're not in it. That's the tool. That's the tool. The tool is get up. Get out of it. Be light. Find the humor in it. Oh, I can't believe she just said that again. She's so cute. She's so funny. Whatever it is. I just want to pinch her cheeks. She's just like, she's out of a movie. She's a caricature. What's a caricature? Another example they give. A caricature is you take that one thing, the nose or whatever it is, and you make it huge. That's what the humor is. The humor is, that's what it feels like. It's huge but make it funny. It's so, it's so absurd. It's so crazy. It's so out of proportion, this person's thing, that it's funny. So either I can get really intense about it and really hot under the collar, oh, not again! I can't believe they said that! I can't believe... You know, why? What for? Stay light. 50-50 fire and ice. Stay cool. Right? Be funny like Rabbi Palm. 
know how to fly, know how to lighten up, know how to get above it. That's what humor does for us. It keeps it light. It's a skill. It's not mean. It's not cruel. It's not anything like that. It's loving. You can talk about people's pimples and warts and funny family traits that people had growing up, and you can make people love them. I know that because I've done a lot of writing about my own family. And whenever I have a writing group and we share, Mrs. Buck, Marla's mother, who was in my writing group, 93 years old now, incredible lady, she always wrote the most beautiful comments. And you know what she used to say to me all the time? She said, Devorah, you make me love these people. I just love these people in your family, even though I'm describing them and I'm showing their weaknesses and I'm showing their idiosyncrasies. But she said, but you do it with so much love. You can feel the love. So that's what it is. It's the love and the acceptance. Is it easy when we're in the moment? Is it easy when our kid's giving us lip? Is it easy, right, when we're dealing with people who just never seem to get it? No, but that's why we have to laugh. We have to laugh, right, and give it up. Give it up. Love them with all their warts and their pimples and their inabilities to go further. Think that they have special needs. I do that sometimes. I say, he's special needs. Because you know what we think instead? This is a mature, grown-up person in front of me. Why don't they act properly? Right? This is a grown man. This is, you know, this is a kid who's already in university. Whatever it is, they're, they're functioning. They're normal. They get good marks in school. They don't have special needs. Right? Why don't they act the right way? Why don't they know what to do? Why do they have to ask me all the time, where is the cheese? It's in the same place it's been for 25 years, right? Why? What's going on? They have a special need issue. They have a certain area that is developmentally arrested, okay? And it's not going to change. Laugh. That's the tool. That's the avoda. That's the skill. It's a ruchnius dicka skill. It makes you a happier person. It keeps you light. I totally um, hear what you're saying, and I, it really speaks to me. And I love to laugh, and I love kibbutzing, and I love jokes. But there's another side to that, and it even says it in the Yom Kippur, at the back when it explains yeah. what you need to be doing. And there are people out there who can use laughter in a way where they, it, it's, their, it's their go-to and they can turn so many things into a joke to deal. And, and so that's and not that's the laughter we're talking life. about, right. Um, so, so that's I, not I the laughter. Because I have that in my life. Yeah, um, and that's called cruelty, right? And unfortunately, our there. society is, yeah. is inundated so with it. Right. That's the new humor. It's the dumb humor. It's the humor where, you know, like the Dean Martin roast. It all started with that. If anybody used to watch that when they were a kid, you know, we're going to roast you and we're all going to laugh, right? That's not the, what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. That is called cruelty. Or then there's mockery, which is the other kind. No, that's why. That's why. But they're really laughing at you. Yeah. 
I'm better than you because you're lower than me. Yeah, so that's not the laughter we're talking about, and that's the laughter that unfortunately has crept into our world too because it's everywhere. It's on the movies, it's on the television, it's even in little kids' shows. You know, it's it's like I laugh at your expense, at your expense. This is not that kind of laughter. This is I love you so much. I see where you've got this thing because I'm very observant and I know that you've got that. We all know when we get to really know somebody, especially Circle One people. You can't hide, right? We all know. For people, especially that are close in our lives, or depending on how psychologically savvy we are about people, some people really get other people very quickly. Other people don't, right? It's a talent. But again, it's seeing the person with their weakness, which we all have them, none of us don't, and not devaluing them because of it. Saying, I see the weakness, but I love you. And I love you. Sorry, not but. And I love you. And I've accepted that this weakness is not going away. Not, not that I know of. It might, and it may, and I could pray for it. And maybe years will do it. Maybe in your next incarnation, I don't know. But it's not going away right now. And if I want to be a happy person, me. Now I'm getting selfish. If I want to choose the world of connection, if I want to be a happy person, if I want to work on myself and get evolved and realize this is not about me, you're not doing this intentionally to hurt me. This is about you. This is about you. And I love you. And I'm willing to, to, to laugh about it to myself. Not I'm going to make fun of you everywhere I go and tell everybody. <laughs> no, not that kind of laughter. I'm going to laugh inside myself so that I don't get so intense about it. Right? I'm going to laugh and say, this isn't going away. I love you anyway. God put you in my life because there's so many good things about you. Because there's so much that I can learn from you. That, you know, even if there's not much I can learn from you. God obviously wanted me to be here in your life. Right? So even if sometimes, you know, we, we rub each other the wrong way or we have interactions that are tough and difficult, I'm always going to try to go back to that place that says, you know what, this is not something that we're ever going to be able to work out and change because this is the way you're wired. You're wired this way. You can't see this thing, right? But I'm not going to let that ruin and poison my feelings about you. I'm not going to let that get into my heart in a toxic kind of way. I'm going to laugh about it. I'm going to say, just the way we laugh when we say, ha, 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 ha. I just, I, I can't. I can't do this. I can't. I give up. I give up. I'm not giving up with anger. I'm not giving up with frustration. I'm just giving up because it's funny. And because what are you trying so hard? What are you doing? What are you trying so hard for? It's not going to change. I give up. It's funny. It's funny. Ha ha. It's, it's funny. It's interesting because <laughs> I think here you've always been telling us to take the take the regesh and bring it to the seichel. This time you're really actually using your seichel to try and hang on to the regesh. Interesting. Right? And I mean, you need to know. No, I would. I would still say the regesh I mean, is the pain. The regish is the pain. The person, 
your feelings. The emotions are always the first sting, right? The person who does it over and over again, and even though you know it, you let it sting you. You let it sting you. It hurts. Oh my gosh, they did it again. They did it again. They did it And you're still going like, oh, ow, ow. The point of the seichel now is the rate at which, which you're able to go from here to here gets quicker and quicker when you get good at a tool. So you just got stung, and you're using humor, so you quickly take it from that sting, right? And you go back to your mantra in your mind that says, oh yeah, this person doesn't get that. This person always says that. What am I getting so... Get over it. It's funny, because they're never going to get it, right? So no, it's always, we always have to take it. Humor is more emotional, but humor is actually quite intelligent. I mean, you need a good mind to be a funny person, right? Quick-witted, right? Don't we call somebody who's observant and funny? They're quick-witted, right? Their mind works very quickly. They see something and, and their mind's going, right? And they see it faster than everybody else. And they say the comment while people are still forming their mind and then everybody sort of catches up and laughs, right? Or they say something that's obvious, but other people just don't say it, right? But they have that ability. So it's a very intelligent, intellectual part of the brain that, that is witty. And, and But again, the regish is always something's wrong. Something's wrong. Somebody hurt me. Somebody said something. I'm panicked. I'm insulted. I'm offended. What am I going to do? Again, the choice is, am I going to leave it there and choose the world of estrangement? Am I going to take one of my tools and see which one I can use? Can I drop the measuring stick and say, I would never do something like that? But, but you know, they have a different standard. They're not on my measuring stick. They're not me. They're different than me. They don't think like me. They grew up in a different home. They don't know. They're from another culture. Blah, 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 blah. All the stuff that we can draw on, right? And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be taking this material and keeping it there, finding it, having your little toolbox, right? Oh, maybe this is a situation where I could laugh. <laughs> wow, that was funny. That person just said something so out of the, like crazy, out of this world, like I can't believe it. Am I going to get, whoa, really intense? Oh, that was really funny. I can't believe somebody would say that. Oh, cute, you know? Pinch them on the cheek. Still love you, right? Again, Different things work for different people. Some people are good at having direct conversations. They're just naturally born to be able to know how to talk to people. Very few and far between. But there are people who know how to do that. And they either learned it or they worked at it, you know. They just know how to talk to somebody without making them feel defensive. That's an incredible skill and talent. Most of us have to work. And again, we're going to continue, and we're going to use, and we're going to go forward into another tool next week, and you'll have a toolbox, and then you'll just have to keep reviewing because that's what vadim and character development is. It's just constantly rolling around all these ideas in your mind so that your mind, your when you feel that pain in your heart, you're ready to grab something with your mind. Okay, thanks for coming, Thank you. and God willing, we should all be matzliach and successful and.